It's my pleasure to uh, welcome you all tonight and also to be able to introduce Bob Emmons, who is a longtime friend of mine. And uh, I'm just so glad that uh, Bob was able to be with us and, and able to share with us. Uh, Bob is uh, really one of the two people that together started the whole positive psychology of gratitude. Uh, and, uh, and Bob is kind of, I'd say, informally known as Dr. Gratitude uh, <laughs> among his friends and, and pretty much everybody else. Uh, he's written a number of books on gratitude. Uh, the, I, I guess one that was the uh, early one was the psychology of gratitude that was with Mike McCullough. And, uh, but then he's written a number of trade books, uh, one called Thanks, uh, one called uh, Gratitude Works, and then uh, uh, the, I think it's the Little Book of Gratitude. Uh, and then uh, Bob, you know, publishes something every Wednesday, whether he needs to or not. Uh, so he has done many, many uh, excellent, sorry done many excellent uh, uh, scientific papers uh, on gratitude and religion and spirituality and a number of things to do with positive psychology. So Bob is the founding editor uh, of the Journal of Positive Psychology and a real force in the field. And we're just really grateful to, to uh, Bob to be here with us and be able to share uh, about a topic that he loves. So thank you very much, Bob. Well, thank you, Evie. So gracious as always. And uh, I'm just so excited, uh, delighted and excited, I guess, uh, to be here today. And uh, I can't wait to share some of the, um, what I've learned, you know, about gratitude. Now, I fully realize that you guys have been doing this for a while now. You've been immersed in the study of gratitude uh, for some time. So that being the case, uh, I thought I would dispense with some of the preliminaries, some of the background uh, information that I often uh, present. I just want to, you know, kind of plunge right in uh, to what I want to share with you tonight. And uh, that way, I'll be sure there'll be, you know, lots of time, at least sufficient time uh, for question and answers. So I'm going to share in a little bit uh, my screen with you because I do pictures and quotes and that sort of thing, because that's the way I've always done it. Uh, but let me tell you first, oh, let's see, uh, I'll change this over to that. I'm going to put it on gallery of you. Then I can see all of you. You guys look good tonight. Uh, it's good to see you. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday night. Uh, are you all in Richmond? Is that where you are? No, Shake, hands, heads shaking. So you're not talking, so I don't know where you are. But you, I, by the way, feel free to use the chat if you want to use the chat. Uh, you can do that. Um, I'll save the questions for the end, but if you have a question or comment or reaction, whatever, feel free to put it in there because sometimes, you know, we forget uh, unless we put it in there uh, when it's occurring to us. So um, growing up, I had a very cool grandma and I spent a lot of time with grandma growing up. And one of the things we liked to do was watch professional wrestling uh, back when it was real. Uh, I'm joking, of course. It was never real. Uh, but we also uh, we also watched uh, professional boxing. And uh, like everyone else in those days, uh, our favorite was Muhammad Ali, 
the great Muhammad Ali. And um, one, one story that I remember about Ali, one of my favorite stories about him was he, he was traveling to one of his engagements and he was flying. And the pilot comes on over the uh, intercom and says, folks, we're about to run into some bumpy air, some turbulence. Uh, please re uh, return to your seats if you're up and around and fasten your seatbelts. Okay. So the flight attendants are going up and down the aisle, center aisle, making sure that everyone is sitting down with their, uh, their seatbelt fastened. And once a flight attendant comes to the aisle, comes to the row where Muhammad Ali is sitting. Now, if you remember anything about Ali, uh, you know, he wasn't known for his humility, right? Uh, a little confident, overconfident, uh, perhaps. Uh, anyway, so she noticed that his seatbelt was not fastened. So uh, she looks at him and says, sir, uh, please fasten your seatbelt. Uh, and very quickly, he looked at her and he, he looked at her in his usual kind of, you know, um, self-confident way. And he said to her, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And very quickly, she looked at him and said, well, Superman don't need no airplane either. Now, please fasten your seatbelt. Uh, now, <laughs> there's a couple of reasons why I like that story. One is just funny, okay? <laughs> but two, uh, it also is a reminder that if, if life teaches us anything, it teaches us that we're not Superman. You know, we're not Superwoman. We're not self-sufficient. We're not all powerful. We're not invincible. Uh, we need other people to do things for us, right? Secure things for us we cannot do or secure for ourselves. Uh, we can't fly by ourselves, you know, we need an airplane. Uh, now we may live under an illusion of self-sufficiency, but that's just what it is. It's self-sufficient, it's an illusion, right? We are dependent upon other people doing things for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And so I, I think when we come to that realization, when we come to that point in our awareness, that's when we come to the beginning of gratitude, right? We come to the end of ourselves. We come to the beginning of gratitude, needing other people, becoming dependent on other people, but also giving back to other people as well. So uh, we get caught up in the cycle of receiving goodness, giving back the good, being dependent on others, other people depending upon us, responsibility, obligation, all of that involves gratitude. Now, here's where I'm going to try to share a few thoughts and quotations with you. Hope you can see all this. North Carolina, okay, Texas, Arkansas. Thank you, Kevin. You guys are spread around a little bit. That's really cool. So I'm in Northern California, by the way, uh, Davis, and it's still, still daylight out here, uh, which is nice because you can see I have a bike and I'm gonna ride my bike home when I'm done talking to you folks. So I have a flashlight, just in case we don't make it, uh, I have a flashlight so we, we can stay until it's dark. That's okay with me. All right. Let's see here, slideshow. Been doing this for like five years. I think I have it down by now. So over the past two decades, as uh, Ev mentioned, uh, my work yeah, has been um, basically dedicated to um, trying to prove this basic point that gratitude is the deepest touch point of human uh, existence. So that's kind of like what, what I start out with. That's my starting point. And, you know, I try to demonstrate that through my research. Uh, now, I know that maybe not sound very scientific. You, you should be a little bit more tentative, maybe phrase that in terms of a question, as opposed to a declarative statement, you know, it would be nicer to say, you know, is gratitude the deepest touch point of human existence? Maybe even take a step back and say, what does that mean? I mean, how can something be the deepest touch point, right? It doesn't even make uh, any sense. Uh, that might seem like kind of a bold statement, but I can assure you 
that at least as bold statements have been made about the nature of gratitude down through the ages, and perhaps you've you visited some of these or encountered some of these, you know, in your in your study of gratitude over the last several uh, sessions. Uh, but you know, gratitude's been called the greatest of the virtues. Uh, it's been referred to as the secret to life, the key that opens all doors, uh, a virtue as vast as life itself. Um, what else? Oh, uh, my favorite, I think, is this one: the most passionate transformative force in the cosmos. Ah, that's pretty powerful, right? Uh, all of which sound very cool, very interesting, very uh, motivational, very inspiring. Uh, but as, as a scientist who does research and you know crunches numbers and, and wants to make statements based on uh, observation, purple observations, I, I'm not going to take any of those statements at face value. Those are the kind of things that you know got me interested, got me you know curious about gratitude because people were saying these things for thousands of years. Uh, but I want to know if gratitude actually delivered on its promise and on its potential. And that's why I set out some 23 years ago, uh, I guess uh, 24 actually, formally, uh, to uh, conduct the first scientific studies of gratitude and gratitude journaling. So uh, I, I, you know, I don't have much time. I have about a half hour to talk uh, from now. So I'm just gonna give you an overview, just an introduction to what I've learned and uh, some of the main points, which I think are some uh, some of the ways we can think about gratitude, maybe a little bit differently than we thought about it before. And so hopefully you'll continue your study of gratitude and your personal uh, journey into gratefulness, which I think for many reasons is the best approach to life. Oh, that's another one of those uh, very extreme statements, but one which also I think we can back up. So very quickly, I just want to say what gratitude is. Now, if you have any familiarity with psychologists uh, other than Dr. Worthington, you know, that what we do as psychologists, if we take something seemingly very simple on the surface and we muddy the waters very quickly, you know, we have our own terminology, our own jargon, our own nomenclature. And we say, you know, gratitude, isn't that just being thankful or being appreciative, right? Uh, why do you guys have to go and make things so complicated? Well, uh, a little complication is okay because it helps us really understand something at a deeper level. And, you know, the longer I do this, the more I realize there are so many levels and layers to gratitude. It's not so simple. It's not so um, modest as it might appear to be just about thank you, but really it goes farther than that. So here's how I think about it. I think about it as two things. Uh, first is an affirmation of the good. So when we are grateful, what do we, we affirm the good. We say yes to life. We see there are good things. There are good things in my life, good things around me, good things in the world. Now, does that mean there are no bad things? Well, of course not. It's not ignoring or denying or glossing over the bad things, but it's choosing to focus on the good. Uh, so I say gratitude is living in a position and posture of saying yes to life. Well, that's not enough, okay? Because if you just had that, you, that might make you, um, well, that might make you happy, which is a good thing, generally speaking. Uh, that could make you pleased, delighted. We could substitute a lot of other words if we took credit for all those good things happening to us, we might feel pride, right, and so on. So we need a second step, and that is recognizing where this good stuff came from, recognizing the good, seeing that it came from sources outside of ourselves, right? So a recognition is the second step, affirming the good, seeing it, noticing it, looking for it, taking it in, but then recognizing where it came from. It came from outside of myself. It came from God. Uh, it came from other people. It came from the universe. It came from uh, 
you just can identify a number of sources, but what they all have in common is that they transcend our own individual efforts or um, activities, right? So, so think about that. I mean, you're not grateful to yourself, are you? How many of you have written a thank you letter to yourself? Probably not, right? That'd be kind of a strange thing to do. Or, you know, you bought yourself a gift. Holidays are coming up and maybe you do some, you know, Christmas shopping and then you find something that you really wanted. Now it's on sale and, you know, why not? You, you, you deserve it and so forth. So you buy it and maybe you even wrap it up and put it under the tree. You know, you open it up and you, whoa, that's surprising. Just what I wanted, you know, I'm thoughtful of myself. That's silly, right? That would never happen. So uh, think of it as coming to us quite apart from anything that we do to earn, deserve, to merit and all of those things. Well, when I began my research, uh, I was interested in the connection between gratitude and happiness. So here I was in graduate school many, many decades ago, and I was working with a professor who was studying the science of happiness. Now, back then, we didn't call it happiness because that, that could seem kind of like a flaky topic, you know, a little soft, uh, not very scientific, not very rigorous. So we gave it a different name. We called it subjective well-being. Ah, that sounds good, doesn't it? Much more legitimate, more credible, more scientific, and so on. Really, it was happiness. And now it's okay to use the H word. We've learned a lot about the science of happiness, who's happy, why they're happy, how do you get more happiness, and so on. Well, it seemed to me in the early days that, you know, doesn't gratitude have something to do with happiness? You know, counting blessings, focusing on the benefits or gifts that you've been given. Uh, it seems like that should affect your outlook on life, including how happy you are. Once again, we had no research on the topic. So I set out with my colleague, Mike McCullough, as, as Ev mentioned, to do the first uh, experimental trials. What does that mean? Well, we uh, did uh, controlled experiments, which I'll describe to you in just a minute. But first, I wanna say that we're not the only ones. Okay, so far be it for me to take credit for the science of gratitude, uh, because while Mike and I you know, did a few studies, now hundreds of researchers uh, probably, I mean, dozens at least, maybe close to 100. I don't know. There's too many to count because there's too many research studies to count. In fact, this graph shows the number of publications on the topic of gratitude just in one professional journals database, which is uh, the medical journals, medical literature. There's a lot of research on uh, gratitude and its healing powers within the field of medicine. And if you look at this, this last bar over here, see that? So from 2010 to the present, what's that, 12 years or almost 13 years now, there's been more research in that time period than practically since the beginning of just when they were counting the studies, like 50 years, 60 years before. So the, the mountain of data is very tall. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a mountain, basically. No one person can scale it anymore because no one person has contributed uh, to all of it. So a lot of people are studying gratitude. We've learned a lot. And I'm just going to share a little bit with you. Perhaps in some of your other sessions, you also explored some, some contours uh, of the science of gratitude. So let's see here. Somewhere. Wait for me to go to the next slide. I don't know what happened to it. Hmm. Ah, so I'm using a new computer and I'm still getting used to it. Okay, uh, so here's what we did. Now, you may be familiar with the scientific method. Um, basically, the gold standard of proof in medicine or in many fields of uh, behavioral science like psychology. You randomly assign your um, research participants to, to different conditions, okay? Giving them the placebo, giving a treatment, and then you compare 
the treatment group to the placebo group, right? Reasonable enough. If you want to market, if you're a pharmacy company, pharmaceutical company, and you want to market a new drug, you got to show that it's more effective than a placebo, which is basically a fake pill, a dummy pill, a pill with no real uh, uh, medical properties to it. And we know that placebo effects are very effective. It works up to 30, 40, 50% of the time. Well, we want to do the same thing. Now, the treatment here is not a pill or an injection uh, or a vaccine. It's gratitude journaling. So we ask people to write down on a regular basis things in their lives for which they were grateful or thankful. So think, think right now. Think about something that you're grateful for right now, this moment in your life. Uh, and just kind of like, you know, dwell in that. Just, just focus on that uh, for a bit. Imagine if you had to write three or four or five of those uh, tonight before you went to sleep. Maybe you want to do it tomorrow morning. Uh, first thing when you get up in the morning, do that tomorrow, do that the next day, uh, do it for seven days. Okay. So we ask people to do this for varying degrees of time. Sometimes it went, went up to three weeks every day. Uh, one study was once a week for 10 weeks. You could do it three times a week for five weeks. You could vary the duration. Basically, it's like varying the dosage. Uh, if there was, this was an actual, let's say, uh, you know, a physical treatment. So these are randomized controlled trials. Guess what? Now, more than 10,000 people have been in these studies between the ages of eight to 80, over 80, right? So it's one of the beautiful things I've learned about gratitude is that it's available to everyone. You know, you're never too young, uh, too old, too sick, too healthy, too poor, too whatever to practice living gratefully. What does practicing gratitude mean? Well, one way to practice it is just by keeping a gratitude journal. Everyone can do it. Everyone finds it easy. Everyone finds it something that's self uh, maintaining, self-reinforcing. And guess what? Turns out there are some benefits to doing so. So what we've learned, and I'm sorry, this is a lot of information, but I kind of like it. It's colorful. Uh, it, it covers a lot of different research projects and programs on the benefits of gratitude. So I could summarize very quickly and say in two words that gratitude works. Okay. Uh, but how does it work? In what ways does it work? Well, it works in terms of our emotions. It works in terms of our motivation, in terms of our relationships, and then in terms of our physical health. So we know that gratitude makes people happier. It actually makes them, uh, when I say makes, it means we've, we've established that through our experimental methods. When you increase your gratitude, these good things happen. Thankfulness or gratefulness makes good things happen. Like you're more successful at achieving your goals. You're better liked by other people. You're more generous, giving forgiving, compassionate. Uh, you're in, and these are all quantifiable. You know, these are all statistically significant. These are sustainable over time. Grateful people, if you look at the last two panels on the bottom, gratitude is not only making good things happen, happen but it's making bad things less likely to happen. It's, it's turning up the volume on the good, turning down the volume on the bad because it's decreasing things like depression. So when you're keeping a gratitude journal, you're less likely to be depressed than if you are not doing that. Uh, you're also coping better with stress. So both the, the, the little everyday, the slow drip of everyday stress, as well as the big, major, catastrophic, uh, terrible things, grateful people do better when they are practicing gratitude or just when they have the, the, the tendency to look at life in terms of benefits and blessings and gifts. We call these grateful individuals. Okay. So. Study after study, domain after domain, sphere after sphere finds that the grateful heart, the grateful mind reap advantages across different spectrums, different domains from, from emotional to relational to physical, which I haven't even talked about yet, to, to motivational. That's why I say that 
that gratitude in fact works. Okay, now let's look about, okay, so here's, the, here's how I like to summarize it all. This is kind of like a um, interim summary. Uh, gratitude works, it has the power to heal, to energize and to change lives. So it can heal anxieties, it can heal depression, it helps people cope uh, with um, stressors more efficiently and more effectively. In fact, gratitude makes us resilient. And if we learn one thing about gratitude, and well, as you saw, we've learned a lot, but one thing we have learned is that there is no resiliency without gratitude. There is no calmness and, and contentment and confidence without the ability to look at life through a lens of gratefulness. I mean, that, that, that's, that's fabulous. I mean, that's fascinating because gratitude is something that we can create for ourselves literally any moment of every day. And I'll give you some suggestions, some tips, some practices on gratitude as we move toward the conclusion here tonight. So healing us, uh, energizing us. When people are grateful, they have more energy. They feel more alive, vital, alert. Uh, they exercise, well, well, they do exercise more. I'll, I'll show you that slide in just a moment. Uh, when we're feeling worn down, worn out by life, you know, kind of defeated, depleted, like a lot of us have over the last few years, um, what better thing to do is to practice gratitude. It brings a new lease on life, people say. It actually is like a reset button that gave them uh, a, a sense of um, transformation, a sense of possibility, a sense of hope when things seem very hopeless in their lives. So all good things, right? So far, so good. Okay. Um, I had a slide, I don't know what happened to it, but I had a slide of uh, physical benefits. So I don't see that. So I'll just camp in this one for a minute and mention to you that physically, there's two important findings. One, that we take better care of our health when we practice gratitude. So we exercise more, uh, we sleep better. I don't know about you, but I, as I get older, uh, I wake up more often in the night. Uh, I, I feel a little bit more tired the next day. You know, sleep, sleep deprivation is a big problem in a lot of people, uh, teenagers and, and especially, but things doesn't change uh, as you get older. Guess what? There's 10 good studies showing that Gratitude, gratitude journaling helps us sleep better, uh, sleep, fall asleep more quickly, wake up less during the night, have less daytime sleep dysfunction. You know, when you're tired, worn out and fall asleep in the middle of the day, the next day, because you didn't get enough sleep the, the night before. All very, very good things. Okay. People exercise more uh, when they're grateful. They take better care of their health. They eat a healthier diet. Uh, they're less likely to uh, abuse substances. They're less likely to smoke. They have a lower BMI. They, they take more steps. Uh, they're more physically. I mean, study after study finds the, these amazing uh, effects of gratitude journaling. Gratitude is good medicine. It affects uh, our brains as well as our bodies. And it seems like on a regular basis, we're hearing more and more about how gratitude works in medical settings. And so I do a lot of speaking to health audiences, doctors, uh, nurses, healthcare providers, patient groups. And uh, they're just super excited to, to hear that there are really good quantifiable studies looking at gratitude and health outcomes. And not just health behaviors, but actually biomarkers of health and illness like cholesterol levels, okay? Anybody have cholesterol issues? High cholesterol or high, high blood pressure, hypertension, right? Take pills, well, gratitude journaling actually is effective in both reducing uh, hypertension as well as uh, increasing or not increasing, but uh, showing better lipid panels. There's correlations between levels of gratitude and healthier lipid panels, both in terms of lower triglycerides, uh, higher high density lipoprotein and lower low density lipoprotein. So it's doing all the right things or seeming to, 
Okay, now, why is this the case? So in the little book of gratitude, which Ev uh, mentioned, I talk about the ARC of gratitude. ARC is basically a acronym which stands for three things, amplify, rescue, and connect. So gratitude amplifies the good. You know, when you look at life through a lens of gratitude, uh, things look better and bigger and bolder and brighter. You know, think when you eat a meal and you eat it with, with gratitude. Doesn't it taste better? You know, when you have that first cup of coffee in the morning and you're grateful for it, doesn't it taste so much better? Uh, when you look at that sunset or fall foliage where you are, maybe there's fall foliage, there's some around here, uh, with, with, with eyes that see it as, as a gift, you know, with wonder and with amazement and with awe, things just look better. You know, it adds color, that's texture uh, to our, uh, to what we're uh, noticing, what we are aware of in our environment. So that's one thing it's doing. Now that's important because guess what our brain does? Does our brain usually do that? Does it focus on the good or does it focus on the bad? Okay. Focuses on the bad, right? We all know that, we all experience that, we all recognize that. And any, uh, any talk or any book you read about happiness or positive psychology, I guarantee at some point, somewhere, somehow, that the speaker or the author is gonna talk about how the brain focuses on what's going wrong. That we need to be rescued from this negativity, from complaint, from uh, you know, noticing all the problems in the world, focusing on the news, which is all bad news, right? Really bad news. Reminds me of the guy who went to the doctor and uh, for his annual checkup, right? And, uh, doctor checks him out. He goes to the lab. Takes you know they take lots of blood. And doctor says, "Well, I'll call you in a few days." You know, with the results. So a few days go by, and uh, doctor calls him up and said, "Well, I have some bad news and some very bad news for you." And uh, the man says, "Okay, well, give me the bad news first. And the doctor says, "You have 24 hours to live." And he says, "That's the bad news. What's what's the very bad news?" Doctor says, "I was supposed to call you yesterday." You know, so that's seemingly life is like that, right? There's two, two kinds of news and it's always bad. It's just a matter of how bad it is. So guess what? If we want to achieve a life of um, what happiness, contentment, resilience, joy, flourishing, thriving, you, you fill it in with your favorite term, all of those things, sense of peace, inner peace. Um, our, our mind is trying to derail us, right? It's trying to hijack our thoughts and our consciousness. So it makes it very hard to achieve this sense of inner peace and well-being. We need to be rescued from all those bad. Gratitude can do that. Okay, gratitude can turn down the volume on the negative because it's focusing on the positive. Uh, like an amplifier amplifies sound, uh, gratitude amplifies the good. And then lastly, gratitude connects. The C in the art stands for connection. Gratitude is all about connecting to other people, to God, it's going beyond ourselves. It's in the context of relationships where gratitude has its, its greatest power, uh, I believe. And I think this is probably the, the biggest and most important aspect of the ARC model. Uh, you know, just think about your relationships. I mean, gratitude is a fuel that, that keeps them going and growing every day. They, they would just sputter. They would conk out if it weren't for gratitude. So we need to have that connective thread, the fabric of our lives, as one person said, is in fact uh, gratefulness. So don't don't forget the arc. Amplify, rescue, and connect. Turns out gratitude works in the workplace as well. Increasing number of organizations. And I just throw this in there as a mention because you know we we know there's individual benefits, but they also can expand outward in our families, uh, in our uh, neighborhoods, uh, in our workplaces, communities, churches, and so on. When gratitude is recognized 
and expressed. So there's many, many benefits that go beyond the individual. Uh, for example, those who uh, are interested in these sorts of things, who have done the research on these, care about the bottom line, and it turns out graduate works in the workplace. So uh, these statistics uh, have to do with the difference between companies that either have or don't have a formal employee recognition program. How important it is for us as employees to be recognized, right? We all love recognition. We all need and crave recognition. You can't give it to yourself. So it requires uh, other people. Well, those companies that have employee recognition programs are more profitable. There's greater productivity. There's less turnover among their employees. Customers you know, rate them more favorably. Uh, there's fewer safety incidents, meaning less accidents, and there's actually less employee theft. This, and the list is actually longer than that. But we know that gratitude works in the workplace in terms of usual workplace metrics. So again, all very good things, or so it would seem. And these statistics, by the way, uh, describe both people who are giving gratitude as well as receiving gratitude. So we know appreciating people feels great and is also good for you. And a number increasing number of workplaces, companies of various sorts are leveraging the power of gratitude for greater employee engagement and experiencing many of those benefits in the workplace. Okay, I did it again. I moved stuff around now. All right, here we go. So it seems that gratitude is good for us, right? Increased gratitude, increased performance. Want to be happier, practice gratitude. Uh, want to have better relationships, express gratitude. Uh, what else? Uh, want to cope with stress better, look at life through a lens of gratefulness. I mean, it goes on and on. And I, I've just touched the surface. You know, there's academic data, there's athletic performance data. You know, it seems like there's no end to the benefits of gratitude. However, that's not the big thing for me. You know, that might be surprising. Um, that's not the headline. On the one hand, I want to say, okay, that's all good. That's important. We want all these things, right? But you see, the thing about gratitude for me is not that it makes life better. It makes us feel better. It makes us happier, healthier, better light, or enhances our performance in various ways. Uh, I want to say sometimes, well, so what? Okay, I'm, there's lots of ways to enhance performance that don't involve gratitude, isn't there? I mean, uh, if I wanted to enhance my mental performance, I would go get two or three shots of espresso, right? And I would be very mentally acute and sharp uh, and so on, but of course that would wear off. Uh, if I wanted to enhance other aspects of, of performance in other ways, I would look for other substances. But so, I mean, the thing about gratitude to me is that it's not about that, rather that it's, I think it's the truest approach to life. You know, th think about that. Our lives are given to us, right? We didn't earn our lives. We didn't deserve it. We didn't create ourselves. We didn't fashion ourselves. Um, uh, so gratitude is our default state, right? We are receptive beings. Uh, that's, that's the truth of who we are. Uh, and this awareness is life-affirming and it's life-giving and it's, it, it can be life-transforming. I think that's, that's the big news. That's the good news about the nature of gratitude. Listen to this. This is a quote from Diana Bass Butler, uh, who wrote a book on uh, gratefulness a few years ago. And she says this. She says, gratefulness grounds our lives in the world and with others, always locating the gifts and grace that accompany our way. Gratitude is an emotion. Gratitude is an ethical way of life. It is a disposition, an awareness, a set of habits, but ultimately 
Gratitude is a place, perhaps the place, where we find our truest and best selves. Right? It's way bigger than just you know thinking gratefully or expressing gratitude. It's really it constitutes the core of who we are, and I think that's that's powerful. That's that's the good news about gratitude. And many I had some another quote somewhere from another from a Christian thinker, and this is Karl Barth, who had a lot to say about many theologians have had a lot to say about gratitude. But Karl Barth, I think, said it most uh, um, compellingly and clearly, at least in my mind. Well, maybe not clearly, but certainly compellingly. And and Bart said it's really the core of who we are. You know, he's he's known for saying that grace and gratitude go together like heaven and earth. But he also said this. Listen to this. He said the being of man can be defined as being in gratitude. The life of gratitude must be understood radically, not a quality or an activity, but the very being and essence of this creature. He said human being is gratitude rather than being merely grateful. It's the core and essence of who we are. I mean, I don't know if, if that's not inspiring, you know, I don't know what is, right? Anyway, back to the show. Uh, what else do I have to share with you today? I wanna talk about some of the myths about gratitude. Uh, we have about eight minutes, seven or eight minutes left before I open up for Q and A, just very quickly. You know, having done this for a while, uh, sometimes occasionally there's like pushback where people will say, well, what about this about gratitude? Um, you know, isn't gratitude a problem sometimes? What, you know, sure, gratitude works, but what about when it doesn't work? You know, or they may actually come out and say, no, gratitude does not work for various reasons. So I think it's very important to be very clear uh, about what gratitude is and also what it is not to be able to handle when you get pushback uh, like this. So here are three myths that I've noticed come up from time to time. Some say, you know, gratitude, that, that's nice, that's sweet and so forth. Uh, that's positive thinking, happy thinking, that's all well and good. But you know, that's kind of naive given the reality of life, given that life is suffering, that life is full of, you know, stressors which are inevitable and unavoidable. How do we deal with those? Gratitude doesn't seem very realistic, does it? In the, in the real world where we have real problems uh, and so on. Uh, other people say, you know, gratitude, that's a nice thing. But doesn't it make people lazy and complacent and passive uh, and lethargic? They say that it undercuts ambition or as one person referred to it as the undignified badge of surrender. I mean, that's a pretty strong accusation that gratitude makes us just kind of not willing to, you know, want to change the status quo, just kind of lay back and, and be very passive and just be accepting and content and satisfied, all of those things. And uh, both, by the way, both of those are myths and, and we can easily... Uh, we can easily um, destroy those uh, myths by, by looking at data, by looking at our lives and say, look, no, gratitude actually sometimes occurs in the midst of suffering, the midst of uh, terrible circumstances. People can be grateful despite all of those things. We know that's the case. Uh, we also know that gratitude motivates people uh, to give back, to, to do good things, to become more purpose-driven and, and generous and compassionate. That doesn't sound like they're, they're complacent or uh, passive. And here's another one. You know, gratitude, that's fine for those religious people. You know, I, their, their religion tells them they, they have to be grateful. They want to be grateful because they don't want to get God upset at them uh, and so on. Uh, that's also false, first of all, uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, a lot of religious people don't do gratitude very well <laughs> uh, for one reason. Uh, and second, everyone can be grateful, whether they're religious or not, whether they're theists or not. Uh, you don't have to be religious to be grateful. You have to be thoughtful. 
uh, to be grateful because thinking and thanking are very similar activities. And if, if your religion helps you to be thoughtful and reflective and aware of the origins of the good things that you have, then it would be something that would actually you know, facilitate and enhance and magnify your gratitude. So all these can be shown actually to be false if you look at them in a very fair and balanced way. And that's what I, I try to do. Okay, well, so I'm gonna move into the practices now for our last five minutes. And then I can't wait to hear what kind of questions or ideas, suggestions, reflections you guys have. So one of the things I noticed is that there's a difference between knowing about gratitude versus knowing gratitude. And Ev, you know this as well as anyone. When you study topics like this, whether it's gratitude or humility or forgiveness, it's one thing to know these things, quite another to actually uh, act upon them, you know, or to manifest them in your own life. Uh, you know, I mean, you're a forgiving person, but you had struggles with it. I think of myself as a grateful person, but I have struggles with it to this day. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the reasons I think why I do this stuff and write about it and do research and talk about it is because I know how much I need gratitude. You know, I, I need to remind myself every day to practice gratitude uh, because every day I forget, <laughs> right? Uh, for a number of reasons, it doesn't always come that easily or naturally. So, so what can we do to know gratitude as to just knowing about it? Well, uh, here's one practice. This is one exercise, okay? You remember George Bailey, otherwise known as Jimmy Stewart? from It's a Wonderful Life, right? I'm sure they're already starting to show this movie. I mean, here we are, uh, what are we, um, seven, eight, seven or eight weeks from, from Christmas. I'm sure it's already in the continuous loop on some of the cable channels. But anyway, uh, remember what George Bailey does, right? Uh, he gets to the point in his life where things are not going well. He's at the end of his rope, right? Loses all the money from the savings and loan. People are going to lose their homes. Old man Potter, the nasty old man Potter is going to take over the bank. And so he's about to kill himself. Uh, he's about to jump off the bridge where he's, he's visited by the angel Clarence Oddbody. Who says, you know, George, um, think about what life would be like in this town of Bedford Falls if you had never existed or if you had never lived. Right. So you've been given a great gift, George, a chance to see what the world would be like without you. And so they've actually capitalized upon this uh, technique in a set of research studies where they ask people, think about something good in your life and then imagine yourself not having that good thing. Oh, it could be a relationship. It could be a job. It could be where you live. It could be virtually anything, any circumstance, any relationship, any, any whatever uh, that's good. And then think about not having that. What would happen if you had never met that person, for example? What would happen if... You didn't have that job. So, so you subtract the good from your life. And this is actually known as addition by subtraction. So the actual instructions go something like this. And so this is, this is, this is with respect to a particular relationship. So another person, but you could do this for any domain in your life. You know, it could be a job. It could be where you live. It could be whatever. Okay? So think back to where you met this person. Consider the ways in which you might have never met. And then write down at least a couple of joys or benefits this relationship has brought you. And of course, for a lot of us, it's way more than two, but you have to you know, circumscribe the task a little bit. And then imagine what your life would be like now if events had unfolded differently and you had never met. Well, guess what? They showed this was the most potent way to create gratitude at the present time was focusing on the absence of a blessing. You know, when I read about this, I thought, oh my gosh, 
I've been minimizing gratitude interventions for so long because I, I was asking people, focus on the good thing you have as opposed to focusing on the absence of the good thing. The extra show, the absence of the good thing is much, much more powerful. So this is what George Bailey did in that movie. He got super grateful, did he not? I mean, joyful and so forth uh, when he realized that uh, he had so many gifts and so many friends and so many benefits, so many blessings. And so it can happen in us as well. That's So try that out sometime. It can be very beneficial. It doesn't have to be quite this way. There's a lot of ways, um, incarnations of it. So if you kept a gratitude journal, you know, you write down five things you're grateful for, cross off each one. And then that would be imagining what your life would be like without that. Okay. Very, very powerful way to not take things for granted, which is one of the, um, the obstacles or the hazards of uh, gratitude is that we just take things for granted by nature. Okay. And we want to learn not to do that. We become more and more grateful. What else do we have here? Well, not too much, just a couple more words, and then I'll turn over for questions that you guys might have. This is one thing that I um, come back to from time to time, because there is that myth out there. People say, isn't gratitude just positive thinking, you know, toxic positivity, you know, at worst, or just kind of naive, uh, you know, at best. And it's not just a switch to turn on when things go well. Yeah, it's about looking for the good and seeing the good and taking in the good and all those things. But it's also a light that shines in the darkness. And uh, I hear from so many people because, you know, because maybe because I've been in the gratitude space for a while now, they write to me and they say, you know, uh, Dr. Emmons, gratitude changed my life. It transformed me. When I, I was, I was at the end of my rope, you know, I, I was in a hole that was so, so deep. I had to reach up just to touch the bottom. I was addicted to drugs. I was depressed. I had lost everything. And, you know, it's just like one horror story after another. And what do they say? They say someone believed in them. They found hope, they found healing somehow in a gratitude practice, other people being kind to them, other people, you know, um, doing things for them. And just, just that one first step nudge in that direction was enough to really to transform them. And they became, you know, now they, they, they became like, uh, you know, powerful uh, exemplars and witnesses, testimonies they gave for the power of grateful living. So that's what inspires me to keep going is when I hear from people like that, it's like, well, this is really something uh, more than just, you know, that makes us happier or makes us healthier or improves our performance. It really does give us life and uh, in, in life in the best way possible. So this is a man who I think uh, illustrates this very nicely. Um, Steve Fisk here, he's, he has uh, ALS Lou Gehrig's disease and he gets to the point in his life where the disease has drained most of the movement out of his body. And uh, he's 51 years old, you know, not very old. And he has a wife and two daughters and he calls them over to his bedside. I think he suspected that, you know, he probably didn't have much, much longer to live. And he wants to tell them something that's on his heart, very important. And it, this is what he says to them. He says, you know, I think my life has not been fair. Life is not always fair. And, but he goes on to say, why should I have had wonderful, caring, supportive parents who raised me right? Brothers and sisters that are there when I need them. It's not fair. I should be blessed with a beautiful, talented wife, Taylor. We should have two equally beautiful, talented daughters who make us proud daily. Life is not fair. It's much better than I could have ever imagined or deserved, is what he says. Good health, energy, good friends to camp and backpack with. ALS is a terrible disease, but it does not negate the rest of my life. You know, he died two weeks after uh, he said this. Uh, he, um, uh, after he met here for the last time, got together with his wife and uh, daughters for the last time. and. You think 
this kind of expression, now he doesn't use the word gratitude or thankfulness or gratefulness, but it's clear his his life and his thoughts are imbued with this sense of, of benefits and blessings and, and gratitudes, much more powerful because this person decided to live thankfully in the midst of a difficult situation. Certainly not not ignoring or denying the bad. It's not just a focus on the good, but it gave a perspective by which to view life, which I think is what gratitude really is all about, representing its potential. So choosing to see the world through grateful eyes as Steve did, or as the other grateful people uh, can do, can um, grow and build gratitude, never looks the same way again. They start to see benefits and opportunities before they saw problems and, 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 and trials and struggles and uh, it really is, uh, I think, uh, a good approach and maybe the best approach to life. So 